0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did.
1: Still good, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll it hit right. immediately yes. he got the handoff. You and that's, that's, <laughs> that's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you.
2: From the playlikeajet.com a jet.com digital studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at play like a jet one. And we are taking a look back at the past decade and some of the juicier stories. That went down taking an inside look Because it is that period right now Between the end of mini camp and the beginning of training camp We got a month and a half And I thought it would be fun to look at some of the stories That were some of the more salacious and more entertaining That went on behind the scenes And of course to do that with us Somebody who was in the locker room for all of it The owner, the operator, the lead reporter The whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com And above all that a very big deal Mr. Chris Nimbley And Chris, today we are going to look back at something that actually produced a really awesome term. And we're calling this episode The Birth of the Usurper in honor of Peter J. Dillard who came up with the term. And that's what I mean. The story we're going to tell you ends up tragically because it results in Adam Gase having total authority, at least temporarily. However, It did give birth to the term usurper. And, Chris, every time I use it, you giggle like a schoolgirl. So, if nothing else, we got that out of the deal.
1: That's good enough. You get something that gold out of a deal and sign me up for it 10 10 times out of 10. Um, Listen, I've seen a lot of things go wrong here with the Jets. Very few things come out with such an awesome story as as this. Uh, We were joking about it a a week or two leaving – practice after OTAs just kind of just admiring what he did he came in here and pulled uh pulled a Peter Baelish from Game of Thrones right away got the GM fired got his guy in there and then you know he just forgot that he doesn't know how to coach and so he was out the door uh fairly quickly afterwards but uh the whole thing I mean it was just it hilarious just because first, you got to think about going back to just when his name, Adam Gase's name first got mentioned as a candidate for coach. And like I, 80 percent, what do you think? 80 percent, 90 percent of Jet fans were like, this is a bad idea. Before he even got in for an interview, uh, people were like, this is a bad idea but then people weren't even really too worried about it. Cause they just figured he was just getting an interview, but then it made quick, quickly apparent that like, no, he's a favorite. Oh my God. They're going to actually give him a job. And then he hadn't even had a chance to do anything yet. And then there's the, uh, the reports go surfacing around the draft about him getting uh, a fired and all this stuff. And, I mean, we we have an interesting story about the day that it broke, how it all played out exactly, um, but it was just absolutely hilarious. Just the twists and turns that this story took in such such a short term time, <laughs> and the dramatic leaps it was taking, and then all just to end up with just Adam Gase going two and fourteen, having an awful season, and getting run out of here. And, There's a lot of meat on the bone in this story for us to talk about.
2: No question about it. And I can't believe it was only a few years ago. It feels like a lifetime ago. So we know that Adam Gase ends up getting hired. You know the backstory there. The Jets did the coaching search. I was stumping for either Todd Monken or Matt Rule, and it almost happened. One of the two of them, in fact, both of them almost ended up here because The Jets had gotten close with Matt Rule, but they weren't comfortable with his choice for offensive coordinator. They wanted him to pick from a list of guys, and one of the suggested names was Todd Monken. Matt Rule did not want the Jets dictating his coaching staff, so he decided he was going to stay at Baylor. And it came down to Adam Gase and Todd Monken. I still can't believe they picked Adam Gase over Todd Monken, but they did. So Gase becomes the new head coach. The theory here, of course, at the time is that he's going to be good with Sam Darnold, the perfect quarterback whisperer. Look at all the work he did with Peyton Manning. Because you know, Chris, before Gase showed up, that Peyton Manning guy, he was kind of a bust. He hadn't really done anything in the NFL. And Gase brought him to a whole new level in Denver. It's not like he had a whole career in Indianapolis or anything before he ended up with Gase in Denver. So Gase comes in here, and that's the theory that he is going to work with Mike McCagnin, build some weapons around Darnold. Darnold will be taken to the next level, and the Jets will be on their way. The story takes a huge turn when we get to right around the draft, when a story broke. But before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about Mike McCagnin. Now, Chris, I remember you telling me that a big part of the reason that Mike McCagnin was able to get away with being as incompetent as he was is because he was so nice to the press. And I know that he used to talk to you guys and call on you by name. He didn't do a lot of press conferences from what I remember, but when he did, he was polite and he would be able to spin out of different answers. And I remember the the end-of-the-year press conference You and I taped a show recapping what McCagnan had said. And before that press conference, I was talking to Daryl Slater. And the reason that I really like Daryl is because he's somebody that cuts right through the mustard. A lot like you, Chris. You guys are very similar in that way, where Daryl can see through the BS. And so I was talking to him before that presser, and I said, Daryl, please, you've got to be the one... To hold Mike McCagnon's feet to the fire here because nobody else is going to do it. Chris, I know that you had told me numerous times that if you get too confrontational, unlike somebody at the Daily News or the Post or one of the bigger outlets, you're afraid that they're going to try and retaliate against you. So you weren't going to be able to ask those questions. But somebody at a legacy media outlet, different story. And Daryl said to me, I try all the time, but he always spins out of it. I'm like, "Daryl, please, you've got to hold his feet to the fire. Nobody else is going to do it. And I remember after the press conference ended, you shot me a text, Chris. And you said, I don't know what got into your boy Daryl today, but he was on fire. <laughs>
1: yeah, I remember that. I forgot about it. But now that you say it, I remember it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then you said to me, go watch the press conference. You'll see what I'm talking about. And Daryl asked a question to Mike McCagnon about whether or not he felt his poor drafting was a big part of the reason why the Jets were in the position they were in. And McCagnan sort of spun and talked about, "Oh, look at the Rams! You know, for years they had problems, and then look at where they are now." And Daryl was ready for that. He came right back at McCagnan, threw it in his face. He said, "Yeah, except the problem is when the Rams were building, they had." All these good players, he listed Aaron Donald and all these other guys that they were building on the roster, even if they weren't having good records. And then Daryl said, you don't have any players that are of this caliber, nobody even close. How do you expect to build a winner even once you get a quarterback? And McCagnon kind of sputtered and then just deflected and went on to the next question. But I really was happy with the fact that Darryl was able to hold his feet to the fire that way, even if McCagnin did eventually spin out of it in a way that hadn't been done before because McCagnan, I felt, had gotten away with a lot. Todd Bowles took all of the criticism and listen, he deserved plenty of it. He was a terrible coach when he was here. But it didn't seem like enough fire was being thrown in McCagnon's face for all the terrible drafting and all the terrible roster decisions that he had made. And finally, we started to get a little bit of that with Daryl asking those questions. And then Chris, of course, we figured okay, if this doesn't work out this year, McCagnon will probably be on the hot seat, but at least here we're starting to see people opening up their eyes to how bad of a job McCagnon had done. We weren't thinking that this was going to lead to his downfall a couple of months later, but it turned out to sort of be the precursor to everything that would happen with the birth of the Usurper.
1: Oh, it, it absolutely was the precursor there. Um, yeah, the the whole thing is is funny because – we'll start with McCagnan and I, whenever he would have these pressers um, I would always point out, like get ready for McCagnon to say a whole bunch of nothing. Uh, but like, and then people would, uh, fans would get upset with me. Like, like I was um, criticizing him for that. And that's what Mike McKagan was best at. <laughs> like that is not a criticism. That is a compliment of him because that is a GM's job. A GM's job is to not tell us reporters anything, but it, there's an art to it. You have, because you can't just come out and not give anything at all, because then you're going to get peppered with responses. The key, the trick to it, is that you have to say something that sounds like you're saying something. And you have to be charming and engaging enough that the people you're talking to don't realize that you're just really rambling a bunch of word salad that doesn't actually have any meaning. It sounds good in the moment, but if you actually dissect it, there's nothing there. And that is what a good GM is supposed to do with the media. But, um, yeah, so there will be, you know, you mentioned the former Daily News guy who would go at Adam. But see, I always I'm not typically a reporter that likes to do a lot of pushback on this, and part of that is just because I'm sitting here going, we're talking about football like i'm I'm not a uh you know talking about some huge like human rights violation scandals or something like if you don't want to give me a straight answer about football, all right uh, like and the other thing is, I am not. Uh, I, I tend to get a little emotional about things sometimes. So if I and if I feel that I'm asking a question and being uh, met with like a dismissive answer or something that I I'll feel like a little insulted and then I'll respond in a more similar way to the former Daily News guy than Daryl. Like I'll get a little emotional in it and then my responses won't be exactly what I want. But I do remember sitting there and. Darryl asked the first question, and I was like, yeah, good question. And then he came back, and I was just like, oh, man, he got it. Like, he nailed it. The way he got the answer out there or the question out there and to pinpoint and be like, yeah, but you're not like the Rams at all. And he did it without uh, with sounding perfectly reasonable. Um, and that's where you really started to see uh, a, some cracks start to show right there. And then, of course, the 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 whole how everything ended up unfolding with uh, you know where nobody was talking about it. Everyone had just assumed they just hired Adam Gase. There's no way that you're going to fire the GM that they that just hired him. Like they haven't even played a game yet. And then that just uh, spiraled so so fast, so quickly. Again, this this, this how that unfolds. That this all started during the draft. Um, <clears throat> and I, I forget which, I, I I think it might've been Endgame. It was one of the Avengers movies. So it was the Friday after the first round of the draft happened. And I was, one of the Avenger movies was just coming out and I was like, I have to go see this in the morning because I I, I have to be on Twitter all weekend. I'm going to see spoilers. I have to go see it. And I'm sitting there in the movie. I watched the whole three hour whatever movie and I come out and there's a text from you. Uh, This text from you asking me about I forget what you said. You were asking me just what's going on with this McCagnin thing, I think is what you said.
2: Yeah, I texted you because there were reports by Tony Pauline and Mike Lombardi saying that Mike McCagnin was in trouble and that he might be ousted very soon. So I texted you and said, what's going on here? Do you know anything? And you called me when you got out of the movie theater, and you said, what are you talking about? And then I yeah. explained to you what was going on with the reports. And you immediately said, sounds like a power play. Let me go have a slice and a Coke, and then I'll make some phone calls and see what I can find out. And then you called me back a few hours later, and you said, yeah, it's a power play. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay. So I, cause I remember getting the text, and it was something along the lines of like, what's going on with this McKagan stuff. And again, I, I woke up, I had a quick breakfast and I went to the movies. So like, I hadn't got on Twitter. I wasn't paying any attention, but the first round of the draft was just the night before they're getting ready for round two of the draft. I'm not thinking about any McKagan thing. Like that's a McCagden thing is the only McCagden thing I'm thinking about is who's he going to draft later that night? Um, so I was like, what are you talking about? And then I remember that I called you and I was just like, I, I was like, all right, I mean, I don't know where any of this is coming from. I was like, I don't know if, the, if there's anything to this, but if there is, this sounds like it's a power play. <laughs> and then, yeah, I started making calls I was like, I still, when I hung up the phone with you I wasn't really thinking that there was anything there I was just like, alright, this still seems weird Like, I don't know, this, this doesn't seem legit Oh, I went, I got some lunch I started making some texts, making some phone calls And then I talked to people And like, at, people that I talked to were like Oh yeah, it, it, this is a thing, this is happening um, We're not sure when it's going to happen How soon it's going to happen But yeah, his time is up he's being pushed out already <laughs> and i'm like but it's like they the draft is happening now what are you talking about the gm is being pushed out in the middle of the draft and they're like well yeah he, he's obviously not going to get fired later today they're going to let him do out the draft and then there was a point where i uh, i had thought that they might have let him play out the the season but um it, it it was at that point when i made calls everyone said yeah he's done like it's just a matter of when it's actually going to happen um and then of course i come out and i i tweeted out and then a bunch of people uh take issue with me saying that a lot of fans who still wanted to defend McCagnon for some unknown reason and then of course most of the beat was very uh confident that nothing was going to happen to McCagnin the yeah, one reporter came out and said, absolutely 0% chance that this is happening. It's all bullshit made up. Um, other reporters were saying there's nothing to this. And then I was just uh, left alone on an Island out there saying, no, there's something happened here for a while. And then the news finally came some weeks later and it, the move was made. It happened a little earlier than I, at that point, I thought it would go a little bit longer, but um and then, you know, when it did happen, I had to, a little bit of vindication there because everybody said, nope, definitely not happening. And no, well, it definitely did happen.
2: People actually accused you of trying to sow seeds yeah. of division, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And if we're going to be fair about it, Chris. We can't just give you the credit for going against the grain. Rich Semini did as well, and he took a lot of abuse too. He came out and said a lot of the same stuff that you said, that he'd been hearing that there was a power play behind the scenes and that Gase was basically trying to shove McCagnin out, which is what ended up happening. And if I recall correctly, the story here is that Gase got in there, figured he'd work with McCagnon, but very quickly realized that McCagnon had no idea what he was doing. And if he was going to hitch his wagon to McKagnon, he was screwed. He had no chance to succeed. So his only shot was to get McKagnon out of here and get him out of here ASAP. This all started with a variety of different discussions and disagreements between the two. I think Le'Veon Bell was part of it, although I know ownership wanted Le'Veon Bell. Gase, as we know, wanted nothing to do with Le'Veon Bell. And then you find out that he was actually in the owner's ear, not only saying that McKagan had to go, but pitching specific people, especially Joe Douglas, somebody that he knew from his time with the Chicago Bears. So talk to me a little bit about what the crux of that particular part of the story was, Adam Gase becoming the usurper and deciding not only that McKagan had to go, but that he had to put this effort into overdrive.
1: Yeah, so that was one of the interesting things about it too because, again, McCagnin uh, and Christopher Johnson had just hired Adam Gase. Um, they, they come into this situation and it was basically – that. now, I didn't find this out at the time because this is uh, another thing that I'll just uh, – quick aside here is the reason why I found out that McCagnan was in trouble – I I didn't find out from anybody talking with the jets and I purposely didn't really try talking to anybody with the jets on this because with moves like that, whether it's true or not, they're not going to tell you, but they're not going to tell a jet beat reporter that information before they're ready for that information to get out. It's just not going to happen. So what I try to do is you all, if you pay attention to stories, you'll see a lot of times league sources said this league sources said this a lot of times what that means is that somebody from another team said this and team uh, other teams will know what's going on better than even sometimes people in that jets building. Like there were people in the jets building who I think probably didn't know that McKagan was toast before there were people in the Giants, the the Eagles, all these other teams, they knew it. That stuff gets around um, because, you know, teams start, uh, coaches and G- owners start making co- calls to other teams to see about the next step forward because teams don't, Teams don't ever say, okay, let's fire a guy as the first move, then start our, uh, you know, process to find the new guy. No, they always start the process to find the new guy first. They always do. And so all the teams around the league will get that information before some people in that building do. That's typically how that works. So I got the information from team from sources on other teams and then I, I I had it confirmed from multiple people and they're like, yeah, this, this is going to happen. <clears throat> and then, so at that time, I when I first had it, I had no idea what 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 it was. Now, of course, I was sitting there saying, it's deserving. Uh, Mike McCagnin has not done a good job to stay. He doesn't deserve uh, to stay for any reason. But then it slowly became uh, apparent that And this is uh, all the things I can criticize Adam Gase for, which is basically everything about about him except for the way he was with us media. Uh, He was was great talking to us one-on-one, but pretty much everything else about Adam Gase was bad, except for this. He correctly identified that Mike McCagnin is not to be a GM in this league. And it wasn't that, it really wasn't that he got hired and was like, All right, first thing I'm doing is driving this GM out of here. It was no. They were sitting there talking and talking about stuff and talking about players and what they want to do, roster building. And Adam Gase was just like, this is not going to work. Uh, This guy does not know what he's doing, which is for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing themselves, (laughs) for him to be able to correctly identify – (laughs) <laughs> that Mike McCagnin didn't know what he was doing is, it was, is kind of impressive. You would think you would take somebody who knew what they were doing, at least a little bit to identify that McCagnin didn't know what they were doing, but Gase didn't know what he was doing, but he knew enough to know that McCagnin didn't know what he was doing, who didn't know enough to know that Adam Gase didn't know what he was doing. So this is a real, real back and forth here of a whole lot of no one knowing what's going on but Adam Gase knows that Mike McCannan is not the guy to help him. And Mike McCagnon also, at first, doesn't know that Adam Gase is working to try to get him fired. And then obviously he learns this along the way because it, this is not like Mike McCannan knew he was getting fired before he got fired. It wasn't a surprise to him at that time. There was a a, a couple weeks there where was he wasn't sure but then eventually he started hearing and once he was finally told he knew he had heard um but yeah again it's just hilarious to me that the only thing where adam knew what he was doing was that uh, that mike mccag didn't know what he was doing step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family
0: In that case, I
1: pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet.
2: Of course the Jets would be the team that would fire a guy after letting him spend a ton of money in free agency and run an NFL draft where the Jets, by the way, had the number three overall pick. Only the Jets would do something like that. Of course, we all said that he should have been fired with Todd Bowles at the end of the season. We recognized it wasn't going to happen, but then it does happen after all of that. And so let's get to that point in the story, which is we find out a few weeks after the draft that McKagan has been fired. I remember I was talking to Daryl Slater and all of a sudden in the middle of the conversation, he stops and he says, oh, crap, I got to go. And I said, what's going on? He said, Mike McCagnan just got fired. So I said, all right, go do your story or whatever it is you got to do. And I picked up the phone and I called you and I said, hey, Chris, what's up? And he said, hey, what's going on? I'm like, so you want to tape a podcast? And you said about what? I said, oh, I guess you didn't hear the news. And you said, what news? And I said, Mike McCagnin just got fired. And there was a pause. And for a second, I thought maybe you dropped off the call. And then there was maniacal laughter. (laughs) And you just said, oh, I thought Rich and I were making it up. I thought we were sowing division. I thought this was a fake story. I guess I was right about something. Go figure. And we both had a good laugh about it. And we talked about the breaking news of Mike McCain getting fired. So at that point, I think we were surprised that it happened because, as I said, they went through free agency. They went through the draft. We figured probably end of the season or something he would get fired instead. It's a few weeks after that initial report dropped. This was crazy. And it did speak to the power that Adam Gase wielded in the building at the time.
1: Yeah, it absolutely did. But yeah, and it, it is funny how many of these stories uh, start with like you text me and I'm like what's going on or like call and I'm like huh what's going on. All this shows is is how much I try to stay off Twitter in between doing stuff. Um, but yeah, it was um. So how it ended up playing out was basically when Pauline Lombardi at, at first sent that out. Like the decision was already made at the time. Mike McKagan was going to be fired, but it, the dra- it was too late in the process when Adam Gase brought this to the Johnson's and started it, they were, uh, they were getting ready for the draft. They, they couldn't just fire the GM and hire a new GM like a week before the draft. It was too late. There was just, it was, all right, we're going to have to, uh, we agree with you, we're going to have to fire him, but we can't do anything about this now, and we need to go ahead and do that. And then after that, the draft played out, it was still, okay, they are definitely going to fire him, but, you know, teams, you don't want to fire, uh, an owner doesn't want to fire a GM a couple weeks after the draft. That looks really bad. Um, uh, He doesn't want to do it but it became quickly apparent that the situation was untenable. It was, there was no way that they could keep going on like that. Uh, So they just had to go ahead and make the decision to fire him at that point where they did before that season even started. And then to go and start the process of the GM. And then of course, what helped them doing that was knowing that there was somebody like Joe Douglas out there. There was, it wasn't, um, from everything I've gathered, it wasn't just a, uh, you know, hey, we're going to fire Meg McCagnin and we're going to hire Joe Douglas. It, it, it wasn't just that, but it was very apparent that they knew at least we have a at least one super quality candidate that we can lean on here. And then they went through the process and they eventually settled on Joe Douglas as the guy. But it just – it became quickly apparent that they weren't going to be able to stretch this any longer. Uh, they, they weren't going to be able to wait until, you know, the team was two and six or the, until something like that. There was just so much tension in the building and McKagan knew it was, it was coming and it just, there was nothing productive could come out of keeping it that way. So they ultimately decided decided, okay, the time is now, it has to be done now, and so they pulled the ripcord at that point.
2: Chris, just to sum up everything, I know, again, that a lot of people don't like Rich Simini, but he's a really good writer, and I do think he's a good reporter, even though sometimes he can be frustrating because of his overt negativity and sarcasm, but you know what, you cover the Jets for this long, and that's going to happen from time to time. Here's what he wrote at the time, this cracked me up. The Jets turned their organization into a Game of Thrones episode, a classic power struggle in which Gase prevailed over McCagnan. Gase, a losing coach with the Miami Dolphins, has ascended to the Iron Throne. Imagine that. No one other than the Jets wanted to hire him off the scrap heap, and now he's the king at one Jets drive. I love this part, by the way, that he wrote right after that. Bend the knee for Adam Gase. King of the North Jersey, whisperer to quarterbacks, loser of many games, friend of Peyton Manning. That is just masterful. I'm sorry, it is.
1: <laughs> that is that is brilliant, I, <laughs> honestly. And this is, and no, uh, no disrespect at all to Samini, who has had a great career. That might be his finest work. <laughs> um, like, and that is exceptional. Like that's that tweet should win awards um that that is an exceptional tweet oh my god I I have forgotten about the uh just the absolute perfection of that tweet and that is great um but yeah that that's exactly what happened it's 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 really it was one of those things that like in the moment we all felt it and watched it unfold and we're like this is all crazy but like to go to go back now, we're a couple years removed, and Adam Gase is gone as well. But that Joe Douglas is still here now, and just the everything about it is insane, just absolutely wild, and like that. How did this happen in the NFL? But uh, what I'll say is this goes back to the Johnsons because if you're a good owner of the NFL, you can't have something like this happen under your watch you you shouldn't have adam gase shouldn't ever be hired uh you shouldn't have to be firing at the gm three months later like if this goes all back to the johnsons here on this they have to own that and wear that uh they created the the situation where something this wild was able to play out
2: Chris, funny enough, Adam Gase immediately proved that he was a better general manager than Mike McCagnin Because his first move after taking control on an interim basis until they went out and got Joe Douglas to agree to come here Was to trade away Darren Lee for a 6th round pick, which quite frankly is much more than he was worth Correcting a McCagnin mistake in picking Darren Lee at number 20 in the draft in 2016 in the first place A terrible pick, and I know that a lot of people at the time thought that it was premature to give up on Lee, and why would you trade him for just the sixth rounder? Well, Adam Gase was wise there because, as we know, Lee went to Kansas City, barely even earned any playing time, and then completely washed out of the league. So Mike McCagnin, one of his biggest mistakes, taking Darren Lee at number 20 in the draft, and then Adam Gase sort of fixed that mistake to the best of his ability right when he took over as we said he ascended the throne his first move was probably the best move that he made in the time that he was here it was all downhill after that but as you said Chris at least he brought Joe Douglas here promising start for Joe Douglas knock on wood hopefully he continues that upward trajectory that it looks like he's on and maybe as you said for as disastrous as Adam Gase was during his time here Bringing Joe Douglas here and becoming the usurper and pushing out Mike McCagnin could be the gift that he leaves and his ultimate legacy in terms of at least something positive that he did here for the Jets. Chris Nimbly, the very big deal. Thank you so much for coming on and helping me tell the story of this insane behind-the-scenes battle that went on almost immediately upon Adam Gase arriving here. Again, as we said in the Sheldon Richardson-Brandon Marshall feud episode, Something that had to be a unique experience. I don't recall anything like this ever happening as far as somebody who just got here being able to push out a general manager or somebody who is up above him. Had to be a wild time covering that, and now you know the nooks and crannies of everything. Make sure that you follow Chris on Twitter at CNEmbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work at JetsInsider.com and check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com. Also, check out our YouTube channel Channel where Kayla Pace does her commentaries, Pace's Playbook. Luke Grant has up a bunch of film reviews, including some of the new players on the team that the Jets drafted Zach Wilson, both Michael Carters, Elijah Moore. And he's got a film review of the Rams offense and some things that the Jets could steal from them to implement into their 2021 offense. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't done that already. And give us a five star review on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital.